The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, drop those Krispy Kreme donuts and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 117 with guests Michael Leeworthy, Eric Lee, and Ajay Sedan. Recorded live Wednesday, June 8th, 2005 at TechEd Orlando. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VBNet and ASPNet classes remotely, online at www.franklins.net. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net, simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASPNet web applications, online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers, online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, a man prepared to kill anyone who threatens the well-being of his 1983 Gibson Les Paul, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much. And uh, we are here, of course, at TechEd. Uh, this is show 117. I'm very glad you came. And uh, we don't have any introductory emails or anything of the sort. We only have an hour. Actually, that's an official time slot. We can go over, but I know some of you might will get go hungry. Uh, so I hope you stay till the end. Uh, we have just off stage and ready to come on up stage Michael Leeworthy, Eric Lee, and Ajay Sudan from the Microsoft Team System team. Give them a big hand. Thanks, guys, and welcome to .NET Rocks. I'm going to hand this mic to you and ask you to introduce yourselves to the audience. Oh, thank you. So my name is Eric Lee, and I'm a technical product manager for Visual Studio Team System, focusing specifically on Team Foundation Server. Hello, welcome. My name is Ajay Sudan. I'm a product manager for Visual Studio Team System, and I focus on Visual Studio Team Edition for software architects. Hi, I'm Michael Leeworthy. I'm a program manager in the Visual Studio Team System, and I focus on everything else that these guys don't. <laughs> well, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, the, there's been a lot of buzz around Team System, both at TechEd and at, even previously at the PDC. There was a little buzz. It's beginning to get going. Uh, for the complete novice who's had their head in the sand, why don't you just introduce the product and tell us what it does in a nutshell. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a fantastic buzz at TechEd. We've uh, managed to nearly fill every room that uh, we've been presented in, and we've only presented well, about three, three or four sessions, so we have about ten more sessions to go. And, um, you know, for those of people who don't know what uh, Visual Studio Team System is, 
we're really now expanding our Visual Studio product, which is being focused at developers and making developers as productive as possible, really into the software development lifecycle. Michael, now, I hate to interrupt you, yes. but I'd just like to make an announcement. Sure. Mark Miller has arrived. <laughs> hey! Thanks, buddy. You must have paid a lot for that. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it's a lot of Krispy Kreme donuts. You guys don't need me now? We're good. Okay. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Mark. That was Mark Miller! <laughs> All right. Anyway, Fantastic. you were saying. So, um, we started really looking at specific roles within the software development lifecycle and creating tools for those roles. So, as we, uh, to Eric and RJ, we talked about, we are now looking at architects and creating modeling tools for architects for people to create SOA um, applications and then be able to validate them against a logical data center to be able to you know, create those starter kits and those starter projects for their developers. And really increasing the, the quality of code that developers are writing, looking at things such as in-depth code analysis, performance tuning, um, and of course, automatic unit testing or automatic automated general, oh, I can't get that word out. Automatically generated unit testing. And then also actually looking at testers, you know, a, an area that we've somewhere, somewhat lacked within the Visual Studio family is focusing on testers and being able to actually create integrated tests within the Visual Studio environment. The big thing is uh, really bringing this all together with, a, with a, a, a product that we call Team Foundation Server. The glue that glues all these client SKUs together provides that base for project management, for work item tracking, for reporting and mostly for creating a methodology. You know, whether you follow a methodology in your organization or whether you want to adopt a methodology in your organization, the ability to customize and extend that methodology within Team Foundation Server and integrate all those roles and integrate other applications such as Office and Project and Outlook and IM and, you know, a billion partner, well, a hundred or so partner uh, applications within Visual Studio Team System is really what it's all about. And this is a, a version one product, and as a version one product, um, uh, do you think integration is the most compelling reason to, to uh, look at Team System now? Absolutely. You've, you've knocked it right on the head. I mean, that whole integration within the, the Visual Studio application, so now our architects, developers, and testers can be utilizing the same tool, the same IDE, and then integration of other applications such as, you know, I'll pick on project managers. As a project manager, I'm going to use Outlook. I'm going to use uh, Excel. I'm going to use Project. I'm never going to use Visual Studio to do work item tracking to, you know, to create those, that, that project information. And I can utilize that information and then synchronize it easily and have, you know, basically real-time information flow between my project and we, between my software development lifecycle. Good. Any of you guys want to comment on, on the introductory comments? Introductory information, or is that pretty much in a nutshell? That was, a, that was, that was pretty much it in a nutshell. And okay. we've had a bunch of sessions kind of uh, covering a lot of the interactive material with Team System as well. Is uh, right off the bat, is there a website that we can uh, bring people to to get more information about Team System? Yeah, for sure. Uh, msdn.microsoft.com slash Team System. Uh, we're also going to try and arrange right now. We have some VPCs of Visual Studio Team System Beta 2 with everything installed. And they're going to be available today. And I'm going to see if we can actually get them brought to this room. And you guys will be the first people to actually get your VPCs. Fantastic. Excellent. We'll have, uh, I don't know if many of you guys have been following Rob Karen's blog. How many people are familiar with Rob Karen? So Rob Karen will actually be bringing those discs, hopefully here. I'm going I'm to give him a call and maybe we can give him a round of applause. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. As long as the discs aren't coasters, we haven't tested them yet, but as long as they aren't coasters, you guys should have working VPCs. And assuming he finds the place. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think Good. I'm going to go give him a call right now. The secret room. <laughs> Excellent. 
So uh, of all of the, the, what you've done is you've sort of, you've built some new tools, you've integrated with Visual Studio, and you've also adopted some tools that are available now and just put them under one roof. What is, what's the sort of the, the laundry list of tools that you get in Team System? Oh, sure. So the, the overlying strategy that we wanted to follow with Team System is just to help keep people productive by letting them use the tools that they're already comfortable with. So Michael mentioned a number of these already. So outside of Visual Studio um, itself, we, we've done a lot of integration. We just bring in you know, testing and, and advanced engineering tools, version control, reporting, and whatnot into Visual Studio. We've also worked integration into Microsoft Excel. So if you're used to using Excel today to track your project lists or your work items, you can still use Excel just like you normally would. There's, we built some integration that allows you to pull data from Team Foundation Server into that spreadsheet. So as you work, all the data that you work with is being published to the rest of your team. And that data is round trip, so you don't have to chase down a lot of people for status updates. You just do a refresh in Excel, and all your work items automatically refresh. Uh, we built the same type of integration into Microsoft Project as well. So any project plans that you're working with, you can still do all the Gantt charting and you know, task uh, hierarchies that you're used to doing in Microsoft Project. The only difference is the data that you're working with is actually linked to Team Foundation Server. So anytime a task changes, it's automatically reflected in, inside of Microsoft Project. Okay. Um, and we'll do some starter kits for uh, Microsoft Outlook as well. You know, Outlook is really a common project management tool that, that we see being used. So right. we'll be able to bring in <laughs> data from Team Foundation Server into your Outlook tasks. And we've got a number of great partner products as well. We showed a couple of them a couple of days ago. So Serena and Identify are doing great um, integration with us, as well as Borland Caliber RM for a traditional uh, requirements management mm. product. And tools such as uh, NUnit are, are in there as well. Yeah, and, we, and a source control thing that, you know, a lot of people uh, want to know about, like, what happens to SourceSafe, right? Because a lot of anybody using SourceSafe out there today, all right, are you looking forward to uh, Team System? Yeah, yeah. So you can you can feel what I'm feeling now, right? You know what I'm. I don't really have to say it, okay? Um, but there is another source safe SKU, right? In addition to the source control that's built into Team System, what are the differences there? So we are still shipping source safe in Visual Studio 2005, and it remains an excellent source control solution for an individual developer who's looking for just source code control. We've added some improvements, Unicode support, a little bit of web access, and it's a good price point for an individual developer. Okay. Um, for you know, for any, for a professional developer working on their own or in a or in a team, uh, Team Foundation Server becomes a much better source code. And it's not solution. source safe, right? It's, uh, it's not source safe at all. It's uh, it's a completely separate product written from the from the ground up. It, it's very close, you know, in philosophy to the internal source control system that we use uh, at Microsoft. And what is that? Uh, source Depot. Okay. It's right. the system we use internally. And one thing to mention is that we are using uh, Visual Studio Team Foundation Server internally at Microsoft for all of our, our version control. So the Team System team today is already developing uh, all of Team System using Visual Studio Team Foundation Server. Yeah, that was Server. my question. Was So you guys eating this dog food or not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and by the time we, by the time we release, we'll, we want to get move over the rest of the developer division also over to Visual Studio Team System. And in V2 and V3, we'll be looking to move a lot of our larger teams at Microsoft, including Office and Windows, over to Team Foundation Server. So we'll definitely be moving away from our internal tools and, and dog, eating our own dog food. Good. Actually, let me make a comment on that, because that's actually quite exciting. We have you know, upwards of 500 people utilizing our Team Foundation source control in about six, um, six places around the world. And they all synchronize information very fast, very quickly, and be able to, and, you know, uh, 
able to utilize the same information together. And that's really one of the biggest differences we've seen in our source control over Visual Source Safe is we've designed this for highly scalable and highly distributed environments. So, um, you know, as I said, we're eating our own dog food and uh, we are now starting to move other product teams within Microsoft that are now aggressively adopting Visual Studio Team system as well. And we've published those statistics as well. Are they up on the MSDN website? Yeah. yeah. There's a right. there. Go for it. You know, we've talked in fairly broad strokes so far about what Team System does. Maybe you could take me through sort of the experience as a developer. Yeah. What I'm going to see different in Studio if I'm using Team System. Yeah, well, you might also want to throw in the role of the project manager. Yeah, let's, well, let's, let's get to there. I'm going to start the with, the, you know. Well, let's do that. Let's actually spend a couple of minutes talking about each of the roles because we have a specific product focused on each of those roles. So, um, actually... We like to start at the project manager end. We like to start at the 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 the, the project end. Do in the this, sense that, yeah, exactly. So you know, most most um, application development cycles actually start with the business analyst or the business analyst slash project manager finding some requirements, gathering those requirements. And as Eric and RJ said, we actually have a number of great partners that do extensions to requirements management that sit within Visual Studio. Um, Ball and Calibre RM being one of them, Serena with Composer, which was a, uh, a which is an acquisition of the old, uh, the Aptero um, uh, technology. So we have these requirements management gathering that can actually take all these requirements and actually export them into a Visual Studio Team System repository or this um, this Team Foundation server. And as a project manager, as, as Eric said, I can actually utilize the tools that I'm comfortable with, Outlook, Excel, Project, build my information, build my work item, uh, work tasks list, project uh, synchronize that information to Team Foundation Server, and then my team, both from architects, developers, and testers, will then be notified of the tasks that they need to do to complete that, that application. So then from, from that point, of course, then we, we probably move into architect. So, so for the architect and Visual Studio Team Edition for software architects, we offer uh, several different designers to allow you to visually design uh, service-oriented applications. So specifically applications utilizing web, web services, and then to take those application designs and a little closer. Uh, to take those application designs and validate them against and, and against your against your data center to make sure your application is actually going to deploy successfully. So you want to be able to catch any deployment issues for your distributed applications early in the lifecycle, rather than having to wait until you you hand it off to people in the data center and tell them to make this application work. And they realize that you've kind of made some assumptions about the data center and the operational environment that aren't necessarily true. As I said, a UML kind of modeling environment we're working in, if we're talking about architects. Uh, it's, it's similar, so we use the UML notation where it makes sense. Um, they're not just your traditional UML boxes and lines, just, just because you need the models to be very precise to enable any sort of computation and any sort of validation to be done between, between the model and the data center. So if you're just using boxes and lines with each person's kind of annotating their UML diagrams in different ways, it's very difficult to do any sort of computation. Around it, but that's that's a very good point because you know the complainers will say you know there's no support for UML and the the way that your system works actually needs elements of a flow diagram that UML does not provide. Is yeah, that, that's yeah. basically what you're saying. For sure, exactly, and and we continue to believe that UML does have its place in the development lifecycle. So in the earlier stages of software development, for doing your conceptual modeling, etc., and and we're we're going to rely we're continuing to ship Visio for enterprise architects with Visual Studio Team System. And we will, um, we're relying on our partners, several partners, including Borland and, and one or two more, which we'll announce uh, over the next couple months, that will provide UML 2.0 designers that work very nicely into Visual Studio Team System. All right, so, so far the project manager has the idea, the architect validates the idea, what happens next? Yeah, and so after the architects 
design their design their application, they can use that to generate generate code and hand it off to developers to kind of finish off the implementation. I guess Eric can talk a little bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. So for uh, software developers and testers, uh, especially for software developers, so we've you know, Visual Studio has been great in terms of you know uh, compiling, debugging, great libraries to help you uh, be productive as developers. With um, Team Edition for software developers, what we're adding is a set of you know advanced engineering tools to really make sure that the code that you're writing is of high quality, high performance, and high security. So. To that, what we've integrated is a number of tools that we've used internally at Microsoft. We developed them along with our uh, trustworthy computing initiatives. So we built a number of code analysis tools that will scan source code basically as a grammar checker looking for problematic patterns in your source code. So mm. the same vulnerabilities that uh, Code Red and MS Blast and SQL Slammer took advantage of, we generalized those patterns or that grammar. We have technology to be able to find those patterns. So we use it in our own code, and we've integrated it in a team system so you can find those sorts of problems inside your own code just as part of a build. We've also integrated some code profiling technologies so that you can instrument the applications that you're writing to make sure that they're making the most efficient use of your resources, so your memory, your CPU, your disk, and your network as well. Um, a feature that spans both software developers and tests is unit testing. So literally at your fingertips, you can right-click in the code editor, create yourself a set of unit testing. We'll integrate code coverage data with that so you can see exactly how effective those tests were. Now quickly here, uh, let's say I'm a shop that has not embraced unit testing. We, don't, we haven't done that yet. We're mm -hmm. not planning to do that till next year. That doesn't exclude us from being able to use Team Systems. Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, these features are just they're there for you to use that you can adopt on your own schedule. So if you're comfortable using you know, unit testing now, you can certainly do that. If you're more comfortable just running code analysis as part of your build, yeah. just to get comfortable with these tools, you can certainly do that. It's a very seamless way. If you're comfortable using a profiler now, you can certainly certainly do that or you can certainly So do. they are tools, not requirements. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, if, as a team, if you want to decide that, you know, unit testing is something that you want to do as a team or code analysis is something that you want to do as a team, you can set that as policy inside of our version control. So you can make sure everyone on your team is uh, doing those things once you decide as a team that that's something that yeah. you want to do. It sounds like this is really quite a broad framework. That Absolutely. You have all these different pieces you can plug in and you can choose to make them optional or require part of the process or not. If another uh, unit testing tool comes along, am I going to be able to stick it into Team Systems? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So our there's extensibility throughout Team Systems. So we're committed to making it a platform that allows you to uh, build your businesses upon. Uh, the testing side is a great example of that extensibility. So if you walk through the exhibit hall, you'll see a number of our partners who have uh, built onto our testing functionality. So companies like Automate, QA, and CompuWare have extended our testing functionality for their functional testing and whatnot. So any investments you've made there, you can preserve and roll into Team System. And process is another another issue because uh, you know you, you, people have different methodologies for developing software. And does does Team System work well with one with one process better than another? Or I mean, what's the story there? I know well, Richard I mean, does a lot. Generally, of work we talk in this about the, the the two classic styles are going to be a CMM style or an Agile style. Right. And Absolutely. they're very different. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, Absolutely. they always distill the requirements. But yep. when you talk about planning and organizing a project in the first place, how, how is Team System going to work with those two very different styles? Right. Absolutely. So those styles are very different. So when we're looking at how to best integrate process into Team System, one gap that we noticed that today process is typically it's a manual or it's a website, it's documentation that you read and you understand and you try to apply to your tools. 
So, I mean, along that way, there's misunderstandings, and sometimes you forget. And there's, there's sometimes a lot of, you know, a cultural difference in trying to adopt these, these processes. So what we've done with Team System is create a very generic process template. So you can, it's basically a blueprint that you can define to implement your process. So if you pick MSF Agile, you'll literally skin Visual Studio Team System to implement that process. So the, yeah. so the, you know, the guidance that MSF Agile suggests, the way, you know, your bugs should look, the workflow that you should have is implemented right inside of Team System. So it's System. like a template. Exactly. For exactly. Agile. And you have a template for CMM as right. well. Right. So we've used that template to implement Agile as well as CMMI, uh, uh, MSF or CMMI process level improvement. So uh, it becomes a very a transparent part of your development. You don't really have to understand every aspect of Agile or every aspect of CMMI. Just as you're working naturally, you know, if you're a developer working within a CMMI process, when you check in, there's probably going to be some, some policies that you have to enforce. There's probably going to be some code analysis rules that run as part of that process. But it's something that you just discover as you're working. So when you check in, you'll see some warnings for your policy. You resolve them. And just working that way, you naturally um, adhere to the CMMI it's process. It's funny. I think you'd end up with policies both with CMM and with Agile. I just suspect you'd have more with CMM that are simpler. Exactly. Where exactly. Agile, there's going to be very few, but they're very concrete. Yeah. yeah. You, well, you know, the great thing about the process templates is that you can customize them. So we'll give you Agile and CMMI out of the box, and you can take those methodologies, customize them. They're basically just a, a set of XML files. So if in your, you know, your interpretation of Agile, you want to have Agile with a couple policies, certainly something that you can add. If you want to have CMMI with maybe a few less policies, it's certainly something you can add. Now, getting, getting back to this idea of either or, <laughs> what, what if we don't have a process, you know? And, and there's a lot of, you know, how many companies work, how many people work for companies that don't have a process? Okay, a fair so number. there's a fair, fair number. number. Yeah. But, but you still want, you know, bug tracking and source control and all those other things. What do you do for that? Absolutely. So we like to think within Team System, we like, we, we like to think of it as, you know, it's, it's your process, our process, or no process. So the MSF Agile that we ship is very lightweight. has your basic set of work items. So it has a bug, a task, a scenario, quality of service requirement. So the basic things that you have. Out of the box, MSF Agile doesn't have any check-in policy. Basically just allows you to create your project portal. We'll create that automatically for you. So a central place for your team to collaborate. We'll establish your, your source code control folders. If you want to, it's something you can go back and add later on. So it's, it's your basic you know, development environment. You can take the Agile process and start to customize it if you want to introduce some more process. Mm -hmm. Or you can even start to take things out. So mm -hmm. when you create a team project from MSF Agile, we'll create a set of default tasks that you start with. So very common things that you start with uh, you know, in a project, things like you know, establishing permissions, creating vision documents okay. and whatnot. That list is completely edited. Nothing that'll keep uh, you know a manager writing documents from here to eternity. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, that would not. be CMM. Yeah, that would be <laughs> CMM. Yeah. yeah. One of but, the great things about Team System is that as you're working, all the data uh, that you're generating. So whether you're a developer writing code or you're a tester finding bugs, all of that goes into Team Foundation Server. So it's basically backed with a SQL Server 2005 database, mm. and we funnel that data through SQL Server 2005 analysis services. So a lot of the reports that you're probably building manually today, we can dynamically generate. So things like you know, your remaining work, your status updates, your quality indicators, you know, how effective your tests are, 
your code coverage data, what your bug rate trends are. All those reports we can generate automatically for you it's on one the, of the schedule that you define. It's one of the things uh, Joel Semeniak, my friend, Joel from Canada, oh, yeah, 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 fellow Canadian RDs absolutely. was saying, he says, you won't believe how good the reporting yeah, is. Yeah. That'll knock it out of the park. What we really try to do is just make that sort of thing very transparent. So you don't have to send a status update. You don't have to spend forever in Excel trying to draw out a chart. We'll just dynamically update and create those reports for you. Yeah. And so, so the, the development is really, you know, you've gone through the, the management, the architecture, and now you really get into the sort of the cyclical stuff that goes on, right? This, uh, a work item is opened and assigned to developer X, developer X checks it out, works on it, maybe he has something he has to assign to developer Y, et cetera. So all that kind of stuff is really what the day-to-day -day operations of Team Systems is all about. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's something that you can automate inside your process if you want to. So you can establish what states your work items live in. So, you know, for example, out of the box, MSF Agile, you know, mandates that a bug goes from an active state to a resolved state to a closed state. And that's something you can certainly change to suit your own organizations. We give that to you out of the box. You know, that, that matches a lot of what organizations yeah. do, but certainly something that's customizable. Okay. Uh, so that's about, you know, that, that's the meatball section of the, uh, of the interview. Now let's put the thumbscrews to him. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the stuff that, uh, you know, that people want that either you didn't have time to or don't intend to put into Team System and why. So, uh, the, the, you know, one thing I hear is that, uh, uh, there's Microsoft Project Client is supported, but not Microsoft Project Server. So that's what's right. your thinking? And I think that's really a tough one because the guys who are using Microsoft Project Server are really, you know, serious uh, structure guys. They sound like they'd be your best customers. Right. So I, I can imagine that that was a pretty tough decision on your part. Yeah, absolutely. It was a very, very painful, um, you know, cut or feature cut, if you will, during our design process. So we certainly wanted to address Project Server in our first release. This time and resources didn't quite allow us to do that. So it's not um, an intent not to support it. It's exactly. just time and resources. It's just, just okay. time and resources. So is it a V2 thing? You know, so it, it's both. So it's certainly something that we'll address formally in V2. In V1, what we're doing to kind of try and bridge that gap is that we'll release a starter kit, a kind of a connector pack that allow you to go from project to project server in a more seamless manner. But you got it off your primary deadline so you can exactly, yeah. try and so get that's, something out the door. Yeah, so that's something that we'll break off and do as a starter and, kit. And I would be the first to say you guys took a huge bite. Like this product yeah. is so broad. Right. You know, it's not an easy thing to try and put together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we got a lot of feedback that people wanted to use Project Server. So that's one of the reasons why we're doing this connector kit now in version 1. And we'll, we'll do it in a more formal way in version 2. We really wanted to make sure we got something in, in our customers' hands to get them started. Right. And, and it is quite a lot. Yeah. Let's, um, when we do the show in the normal format, which is we do all online, I'm in Vancouver and, and, uh, and Carl's in New London, and our guest is usually somewhere on the phone, we have a little chat room that we run at the same time, and we take questions that way. Right. We don't have a chat room today. What we have is a large group of people. So if you would like to ask some questions, we'll take them. I'd ask you to go up to the microphone, though, and then we'll, we'll take you from the microphone as it comes along. So if you have any questions, by all means, uh, feel free to ask them. We're not the only ones asking questions around here. But I have a question to ask, which I know is the other hot potato, and that would be... Pricing. Right. <laughs> so, guys, I know you went with the first stab of pricing, Absolutely. and uh, and I know chaos ensued, and I know you you quite boldly said, you know what? Oh, we're going to think on this again. Tell me where you're at. Absolutely. Sure, I can tell you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? A, that was a, a hot potato thing. One, two. Three. Oh, you lose. You answer. So, I mean, and, and that was a very, very good point. We released pricing back in March, I think it was, and. Uh, and th there was definitely two different views of pricing. Our enterprise were very accepted towards the pricing because they've, they've, they've 
utilized or they've adopted software development lifecycle tools and they felt we were very competitive in that space and, um, and the pricing models very, definitely suited them quite well. And then we looked at our, our smaller shops and they felt that the pricing model didn't suit them quite well in our smaller shops. So then we sort of looked at how we can actually help both of these, both of these areas. And uh, a couple of things that uh, we've tried to do in the last couple of weeks to, to help is um, throw out some messaging around uh, two main things. One is the, univer uh, the MSDN Universal um, uh, um, upstep price. So effectively, if you have MSDN Universal, um, you get one of the uh, developers or one of the SKUs, one of the client access SKUs within your, uh, within your Universal. So on release, you get to choose Team Architect, um, Team Developer, or, or Team Tester. And there's no doubt Microsoft has made it very clear if you want to be a developer of Microsoft products, you should be buying MSDN Universal. Absolutely. I mean, that's been the pitch for quite some time. Absolutely. So what we've got is we've got a step-up price for you to actually purchase the entire suite. And this is a very, very small price. At, at most, off the top of my head, it will be you know, uh, roughly around $1,000 at the, at the top level. And that will be, of course, a sliding scale depending on your organization and, and all the licensing schemes. Number of seats have. and I mean, all that e stuff exactly. comes into play. And I'm sorry, I was twiddling on the website, but did you say there's a cutoff time for when you can buy MSDN and get that? Upgrade price, or did you not? Um, the the cutoff price, I think, um, finishes at um, RTM. Is that right? Yes. So, so you have until then. Until you guys actually MSDN release it, it's going to be a really good deal to get so in there. So we'll have to check on that. But All as right. I said, it's actually quite new. Um, so, we're, so we'll have to check. But I, I believe yeah. it finishes at we, we can't hold these guys to all this. It's still right. growing. Right. We're trying to decide what we want to do. Right. So yeah. but let's, uh, before we continue. One, one, oh, I'll let you do that, yeah. This is the, the second thing is actually quite exciting. And we're still, we're, still, we're still really formulating this idea, but we sort of understand in the, in the smaller um, organizations that you definitely want to adopt the team foundation server. You know, you are quite happy to adopt the client, access, the, the client um, applications, but you really want to start adopting the team foundation server, source control, methodologies, this project management support. So we're toying with the idea of releasing a five-person um, limited or five-user limited team foundation server within MSDN Universal as part of that package. I think that's brilliant. Because yeah. that's definitely, you're making, a, yeah. you're making a version designed for the small group. And that's all right. it's for. It's not going to be abused. There's right. a chance for a small team to actually take advantage of that tool. And you know, one of these days when they get to be a big team, they're not going to have to start over again. They're going to have a tool they can keep, grow with. Excellent. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly the, the, um, the point that we really wanted to, to stress with that. So um, we're, as I said, with that, that information is still being formulated, so please keep your eyes out for that, and we'll have more information out um, from our business department, um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Folks, do yourself a favor and check out our friend's Data Dynamics website, datadynamics.com, makers of activereports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for uh, Windows Forms and ASP.NET. Very nice stuff. You compile the, uh, the reports right into your application, ship them with your assemblies. 
uh, has all the great features you come to expect in a reporting engine. And you can use uh, ActiveX controls right in the reports, too. So, great stuff. Uh, Data Dynamics has been an excellent sponsor of .NET Rocks uh, for a long time. They, uh, you know, they deserve a little bit of uh, your love and attention. So go check them out at www.datadynamics.com. Let's take the question that's standing there. You mentioned that uh, team system unit testing is pluggable. And so I have a large test bed based on the in-unit framework right now. Out of the box, does it come with an in-unit adapter so that I can, t can continue to use those in my builds right away? Yeah, so the question is um, how to bring your in-unit test over to the team, team system or if there's a way to do that. Um, so that was, a, um, that was a feature that we were looking at in our first release, trying to build a migration tool to bring you from in-unit to our unit testing framework. You know, time and resources and feature cuts have made that a little bit difficult. So we're still looking at ways of, you know, releasing that code that we've written for that migration out to the community. So, you know, something that can develop there. But it won't be part of the initial It ship. won't be part of the actual official product ship. Right. But look for it on the community sites and we'll have a migration tool for you. James Newkirk, uh, one of the co-founders of NUnit or co-developers of NUnit, is actually, he ha he, he's part of Microsoft now and he heavily influenced our unit testing design. So the migration that you do will not be very, will not be very difficult. So it will be very similar. Um, but the tool, that it, the tool itself to do so, we'll, uh, we'll put it out in the community for you. His implant has been surgically yeah. installed. <laughs> installed, yes, yes. That's cool. very good. So uh, um, going forward, you know, uh, do you plan to do, uh, you know, more, uh, more integrated tool to replace things like NUnit, the, the tools that you're partnering up and, and cozying up to now? Do you plan on making those better? What, what kinds of features do you have in mind for things that, didn't, that, that made the cutting room floor uh, this time around? And if I could just throw another spin on that would be, why don't you guys just stick to being a framework and let third parties do all the plugins? Yeah, that's a great, you know, great it's sort of a, a It's got to be a tough call for you, you absolutely, know, absolutely. playing in that space. Sure, sure. So if you look at that, um, you know, the notion of whether we should build a framework, um, yeah. just a framework or building onto that, um, you know, building a framework is, is one of our highest priorities. And you'll see that, you know, you'll see that in the architecture, you'll see that in the testing, you'll see that in the development, and you'll see that in Team Foundation Server. Um, one aspect of building a framework is that, you know, it's very difficult to build a, a good framework unless you validate that design. Mm. So that's one of the things that we do. Is if you take architecture as an example, so we have a very dedicated service-oriented architecture design that builds on top of our you know, generic modeling engine and modeling infrastructure. We spun off a separate effort, dynamics, uh, domain-specific languages, that will target more vertical markets using that same infrastructure. And the same is true for testing. So we have a very extensible generic testing framework. We validated that design with unit testing. We validated that design with web testing. We validated that, that design with load testing. Certainly left a lot of opportunities for other partners to build in you know, uh, Windows rich client testing and whatnot. And you know, that's certainly a very important part of what we do. But we want to make sure that you know, Visual Studio Team System out of the box you know, gives you a great deal of productivity with the door open that you can bring in partners to suit your specific needs. So right. try to walk that fine line between, you know, a product as a whole as well as a framework. There's an argument on both sides of this. I mean, on one side, you have the tool builders saying, please don't crush my market. Right. And the other side, you have developers out there saying, why do I have to spend the money to buy this product and then spend a bunch of more money to make the product usable? Right. So, you know, I was, I was, I was in a conversation with uh, James Newkirk about exactly that. 
you know, um, quite a few quite a few months ago, and we were talking about well, you know, there was certainly a unit, a very well accepted tool. And now we've come out with our own unit testing, you know, with more integration into the whole software development lifecycle. And uh, you know, I was talking to him, I was like, James, you know, do you, you know, are you mad that we did this? And he's he was like, no, you know, he created NUnit not to not for the sole sake of creating NUnit, but he really wanted to foster unit testing as mm. part of the software development lifecycle. Yeah. Yeah. And he could go very far with NUnit, but in terms of you know integrating it with version control. Uh, integrating it with your reporting as a whole, you know, that was something that we did. And he really just wanted to see unit testing become, you know, an everyday task within the development uh, lifecycle. And how that came to pass wasn't really all that important to him. If it was any unit, great. If it was Visual Studio Team System, that's great as well. So, yeah. And I think that's really true for a lot of, you know, testing and development and architecture and process uh, in general. Is the team uh, system, the foundation server protocols, are they exposed by web services? Absolutely. So all of the communication between you know, Visual Studio Team System client and team foundation server is done through XML web services. We did that you know, for a number of reasons. We didn't want to invent a new, a, a new protocol that you'd have to try and administer with new you know, security um, gotchas that you'd have to look out for. So we didn't want to use DCOM. Yeah, <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> Oh, man. I thought he was going to use DDE. <laughs> That's right. No, we wanted to make sure that Team Foundation Server has a very low administrative overhead. So exposed as an XML web service. So if you have web servers today, this is just an XML web service running in that web server. Using SQL Server 2005 as your data store. So if your infrastructure already supports SQL Server databases, this is just another one. So if you already have a backup protocol, disaster recovery protocol for your administers, this is just another one for them to. But you're giving us some defaults as well. If we don't have those things, we have this default set we can work from. Absolutely, we get from the box. absolutely, yeah. This question right at the back there. Yeah. How does EPMS relate to Team System, Enterprise Project Management System? Is that, do you mean project, uh, is that Microsoft Project Server? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So, so we touched on this earlier. Um, we had hoped to build integration with Project Server and Team Foundation Server in version one. Just time and resources, we weren't, we weren't able to do that. So we built integration into Microsoft Project, the client tool. And what we'll do in version one is we'll, we'll, we'll uh, release a starter kit or a connection pack that allows you to kind of bridge that gap uh, in version one. And we'll address it more formally in version two when we have a little bit more time. So will I basically have two repositories of tasks if I'm doing that, or? We'll, we'll, we'll ship you a connector kit um, outside of our traditional development cycle that'll help you, um, that'll help you resolve items between, between the two. Is that gonna be at the ship day for uh, Studio, or for Team System, or a little later? We're hoping it's going to be for the ship day, or definitely, or oh, hoping for the launch date. Right. Um, but just to sort of add on to that question as well, I mean, you can still use your enterprise project management systems because effectively these will, will these will host a lot more tasks and activities and scenarios than what the team foundation server is, which is going to be your exact tasks, you know, your exact um, quality of service, your you know, exact scenarios for development. So you might find that. Your, your enterprise project management system is going to be, or you know, the enterprise buy-in, the, the documentation, and all this type of information is going to be quite expanded, and you can take a subset of that and then um, synchronize that into your team foundation system. So EPMS, this is the broad breach uh, beyond just the development itself, the buying of the hardware, the, the, yeah, that kind of stuff that you want to cover in the whole of a project. It's still there, and then it's a tie back. Yes. Another question from the back of the room. I have a lot of projects right now in Framework 1.1. Is, are they candidates for Foundation Server? Absolutely, yes. With, with Visual Studio 2003, then? So can I use Team System with 2003? 
Yeah, yeah. so the question is, um, can you use uh, Visual Studio 2003 with Team Foundation Server? So um, access to Team Foundation Server is done through Team Explorer. So when you're using Visual Studio 2005, Team Explorer just integrates into the IDE, so it looks like you're using one tool. But for, you know, for, uh, for earlier versions of Visual Studio or other development tools in general, maybe you're using Notepad, you can install <laughs> Visual Notepad. <laughs> Visual Notepad. <laughs> you can install Team Explorer as a lightweight client. And that'll give you full access to Team Foundation Server. Great. So you can certainly use that. It's a great answer for that. Yeah. Great answer. Nice. All right, one more in the back of the room. Okay. Um, one interest in uh, my organization is load testing. And yeah. uh, you, you touched on that a little bit. And I just was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about it. Tell us more about load, load testing. testing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, more about load testing. Well, our load testing tools, um, they're primarily focused on t load testing for HTTP and over HTTPS. So over those protocols, it will be very competitive with tools such as Mercury's, Mercury's Load Runner, uh, et cetera. We don't do so much load testing for over other protocol specifics, uh, such as SAP, SAP protocols in, in, in version one. Um, what was, what was the rest of the question? So is it like a half half baked solution now? I mean, it, I would be basically doing web web solutions, testing them, but I, I currently nope. do use Load Runner, so I'm so for, no for testing websites, testing web services, anything that's kind of going over HTTP, HTTPS, uh, it's it's not a half baked solution. It is extremely competitive and extremely competitive with Mercury's tools. And the great thing about our load testing tools is that while the competitive tools typically charge. License per virtual user where you're charging, if you want to test 10,000 users, you need to pay for 10,000 users. We'll be licensing on a per processor basis, so as, as many virtual users as you can generate from, from a single processor, that's all, you, you're free to do so. We'll also support distributed load environments where you can farm out your load uh, to a bunch of different machines and have all of that data collected and then brought back for analysis on, on the controller machine. Now, someone's made a serious investment in Mercury Interactive, and let's face it, if you've made an investment in Mercury, it's been serious. Yes, yeah, uh, sure. They're not going to want to move away from that anytime soon. Is, is Team System going to play with that to any degree? Um, I, well, yeah, we're, we'll continue to. We're working with Mercury as well to integrate their tools into Visual Studio as well. So if you want to maintain your investment in your in your Mercury tool suite, you can do that. So does that well. mean you're not planning to do a, for example, a Windows application uh, testing scenario? No, for smart client applications, WinForms right. applications, there's no functional UI testings where we're actually and no plans to your, do that monitoring your clicks. Um, at, at this time, it's difficult to say okay. what we're, for version two. I mean, it's definitely something that's going to be needed at some point. And sure. right now, there's a number of partners that, that snap in very nicely for, for that space. I right. that you, your point is, it's not in V1, but there are some third parties playing in that space. So if, you want, if you're looking for it, you might be able to buy it yeah, maybe for, sometime in the future. Yeah, we'll for example, something. CompuWare does a great job of, of integrating their functional UI testing right into, into Visual Studio. That's correct. Okay. Good, good job. Uh, so what are some of the things that we can look forward to in V2? I know that this is a little early to say, but you obviously have things that you wanted to, and I think I tried to ask this before, but you have, you have things that you, you wanted to get in there, that uh, time constraints and everything. What are some of the most exciting things to you that you, you can't wait to, to see in there? Um, there? There's many different things we're kind of targeting for V2. One, for Team Foundation Server, one of the main things we want to do is increase our just performance and, st and stability, not stability, but just our performance and scalability. Yeah. Um, so today we're saying a, t a single instance of Team Foundation Server will support development teams of up to 500 or so. We really want to push that to an, an extra magnitude Great. above that, just so that we can support our own Microsoft teams and large, large development teams as well. So if we're trying to get the rest of Microsoft, including Office and Windows teams, they're not really going to 
move over just because we're building the tool. They don't, they don't really care if it's not going to be as good as their internal tool. So we need to build up the, build up the scalability up to thousands of developers hitting a single team foundation. I'd be interested server. to see how something like Team Server, a, a team system would play in a place like Electronic Arts where you have such a diversity of different kinds of people working on a project, like graphic people and sound people and so forth, don't use the same kind of tools at all, but all need to ultimately come together into that project. Yeah, and I don't know if, you, if you've seen the recent announcement that uh, the Xbox team has announced their next version of XNA Studio is actually going to be built on top of Team Systems. So wow. they're actually basing all of their, their next development environment for all of Xbox on top of Team Systems. So they're really going to be pushing Team System kind of to the limits in, in terms of scalability, performance, et cetera. So we're also, in a, in a future sense, um, we, we, we are looking at specific features, but we're definitely looking at how we can expand these tools within the software development lifecycle. So looking at how we provide better support for our, our definitely our partners that are providing solutions within that soft, the software development lifecycle. And then also look at other roles that are associated with the software development lifecycle and providing either an integrated platform for them or, or actual tools for them. So we hope to actually announce um, some of those um, high-level vision plans at PDC. Um, and uh, that's still sort of on the, on the, the chalkboard at the mm -hmm. moment. So it's, uh, it may or may not happen. But um, um, from, from our end, that's what we're hoping to do. And you know, one thing I really loved about the transition from Visual Studio 2002 to 2003 was that little coupon in the box to upgrade for 29 bucks. Now I know some of these guys are saying, okay, so I got the, you know, the MSDN Universal, I get it for a grand or whatever. Now the next version comes out that's more scalable, has all the, you know, the features I've been waiting for, et cetera. Uh, you know, what's your philosophy about, about uh, that upgrade process? So uh, we really haven't put a, a huge amount of thought into um, the, the pricing and licensing of version 2 because right. we're, we're still defining what the feature sets and the, and the requirements are going to be. And the that. adaptation rate and all that. Exactly. But, but we'll, we'll, as, you know, what we're trying to do with Visual Studio Team System, and I think it you know, it's, was a, a quite a successful thing, is go very, very early with licensing. Usually we've been very late with licensing. Right. Told you about four weeks before the product's been released. Right. This time we fo told you a, you know, a good amount of time so that way we could garner this feedback. And we are still still garnering feedback. So yeah. you see these, these guys up here, if you've got any feedback around licensing and pricing and anything that can help you, come and grab us, chew our ear off, because we are the, we are the input into that product team. I really think it was a, a good move to say, here's a small business version of this. Yes. That, it's going to allow those smaller teams to, to use the product. Exactly. You know, we, we definitely want to make the, you know, the, the smaller development teams highly productive and start utilizing these tools because the, the more productive they are, these teams are going to grow and grow and grow and start adopting uh, Visual Studio Team system more aggressively. Yeah, larger product. Version. Exactly. Well, let me ask each of you, what's your favorite feature? Your favorite, absolute team favorite system. feature. What is my, uh, I think, system. so my favorite feature is the web testing. I think the web testing is just one of the sexiest features within Visual Studio Team System. The ability to um, load up a web page and be able to actually click through that web page as a, as a, you know, and playing an end user role and testing all those, all those components and then actually record those clicks and then use that as a basis of all my other tools uh, and testing tools such as load testing. So um, I'm just a very visual person, so I, I, I really, really find that a great tool. Is that generating code? The, uh, is it generating a script or, or any code to, to play back? Absolutely, yeah. If, if you want to know a little bit more about that, I'll hand it over to Eric who can talk quite deep sure. on, on the code generation, yeah. Sure. So, you know, um, it's actually both. 
So um, once you record your web test, we'll give you a visual editor where you can edit all the requests that you've recorded. And you have a lot of functionality there. So you can data bind, or you can bind your variables to a database and pull those from randomly from a database of your choice. You can add validation rules to you know, pass or fail your test depending on what data comes back or maybe your request time. Hmm. Uh, for more, more advanced things, you can generate code from that web test. So we'll generate you a code in any of our .NET languages that uses our object model to create that to, to, uh, to implement that web test. And then you can go into the code model and, and do your custom custom bits in there. It'll generate either language. I mean, yeah, shall absolutely. I say either? Am I excluding any if I say either? <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably the majority, yeah. Right. So either one. Yeah, C++ either one you and C Sharp, right? That's, yeah. that's either. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so what's your favorite, favorite feature? So my favorite feature, um, you know, it's kind of odd to say, but my favorite feature is the extensibility. Um, there's accessibility throughout. So on the, on the web testing, it's very straightforward to write your own validation rules. And you have access to the you know, response that you sent and all the, and all the uh, sorry, all the requests that you sent and all the response that comes back. There's, mm -hmm. a, great, there's a large number of things that you can do with you know, picking through that, uh, that response, looking for certain fields. Um, you can write your own check-in policies that are very straightforward to do. So you, know, you have access to everything that's being checked in, the whole change set, work items, comments. Is this through a plug-in interface kind it's of just, thing? It's just, a .NET, it's just a .NET assembly that you, okay. that, you, know, uh, that, that you register a team system. Sensibility certainly hits a button for me because the, the main resistance you're going to get to using this product is it doesn't fit my process. Right, exactly. Right? exactly. So the fact that I'm saying, oh, well, here it's wide open, I'm going to dumb it down, make it easy for you, and then you could turn exactly. it up where yeah. it matters to yeah. you. Yeah. Probably my most favorite part of extensibility is the, is the event system that's underneath uh, team system in general. So hmm. it's actually web service based and we'll send events for just about everything that happens inside a team system. So when a new member joins your team, you'll get an event. When work, when a work item's been resolved, you'll get an event. When a build finishes, you'll get an event. So you register your web service and you get these events and you can do things with it. So I can see like, you know, the manager having this little app with some Dundas gauges on there, you know, going Absolutely. VI in there. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So what's, uh, what's your favorite feature? I'd say my favorite feature is probably an, is an innovative new feature we have in the Team Foundation version control called shelving. And shelving, what it allows you to do is, say you're in the middle of doing, you're doing some work and your work either gets, your work gets interrupted and you're not really ready to check in your, your source, you haven't run any unit tests or you haven't tested to make sure you're going to uh, not break the build. So what you can do is you can create a shelf on the Team Foundation server. And what that does is it takes all of your source, all the files that have changed, and just sets them aside on the Team Foundation server. So mm. essentially it's creating mm. a private, private branch for you, very, very simply. Um, when you're ready to resume your work and you've, you've gone off, you've done some other stuff, you're now ready to bring that work back down, you can pull that work back down from Team Foundation server and continue right where you left off. It also works great uh, if you want to transfer, transfer your work from, or send work that you're working on from, from yourself to another person, to a colleague, to mm. maybe uh, review some of your code, etc. Mm. You can put it up on the Team Foundation server as a shelf, and then have someone else pull it down off the shelf. And and it's also a great way to transfer a machine from your desktop work machine to a home machine or something if you want to pull it down at home on your laptop and then transfer work that way. So it's That's great. pretty cool. That's awesome very cool. Feature. Yeah, very nice, cool. Nice flexible feature. Uh, yeah, okay, we have a couple of questions from the audience, sir. Yeah, actually, that uh, leads perfectly into my question. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the branching support? In uh, Foundation Server. About what support? Uh, branching. Branch-based branch. development. I was, oh, think, sure. I was thinking forking, but same thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Canada. He thinks of metrics. So. <laughs> sure. So the question is about branching. You know, um, at Microsoft, we branch all the time. So every time we create a beta, we branch. You know, internally, we have uh, just a huge number of branches for each of the individual teams. So our version control really supports it well. We use path-based branching. 
and we, we always branch, but we don't actually take up space until some files have changed between those branches. And there's a, there's a number of ways that you can merge branches at any point. So you can do a complete merge of the branches, so you know, completely integrate both branches together, or you can, you can cherry pick changes. So we'll show you all the change sets that are different between the branches. If there's two or three or four or one change set that you want to bring over, you can just pick the, those changes to integrate. That's always the big challenge of branching. It's not splitting out, it's coming back. It's coming back, yeah. It's easy to part. split out. It's, it's hard to come back. That's <laughs> yeah. true. That's true. Okay, sir, you are, you're on. All right, I'm really excited about this tool set. I mean, I think you've got, you've really targeted me as your customer, but I'm an Fantastic. expensive resource to my employer. We did it all and, for you. Uh, I have, uh, I've installed the beta one refresh of this, and then I've got the beta two, and I've done the walkthroughs, and the instructions have been wrong, and then I've had to download SharePoint services because it didn't come on one of the three DVDs you sent. Uh, how am I going to sell this to my managers if it's going to be such a beast to set up and install and, and take a lot of care and feeding? Because, uh, you know, developers are paid to develop software and, and to get this thing running and customized for my process. So what, what are your goals? How easy is it? going to be to set up in November when you get this. Just to clarify, in. you did say you're running beta software, right? Exactly. But what I'm saying is it's, <laughs> and, it's and beta one at that. But it's been terribly difficult to, yeah. to set up. And so I want to know where you're going with the setup, what your goals for and that. And I think the larger picture here is talk to me about right. how much infrastructure maintenance I'm going to have to do running Team Server in a serious way with a large group of people. Well, let's solve your first problem. So as RJ said, we have created a single VPC that's completely integrated. Team Foundation Server, the, the uh, um, Windows SharePoint services, and all the all the um, the client um, the client applications. So that way, you don't have to go through. At the moment, what many people feel is a, a bit of a yep. And also for the, so we'll be releasing these base images for the VPC. So I just want to make a quick note that we're also going to try and uh, put up some differencing disks that work on top of that same base to make available some of the hands-on labs, etc., and have have all the documentation and and have the differencing disks that you can just work that work with the base images, and you can use that to kind of run through and, and demo the product. The point, well. the, yeah, it's good stuff, eh? <laughs> the point being that it's. Installing beta software is just not easy, so giving us VPCs solves that problem. You've already got it configured correctly. Exactly. For us. Now, to, to help you in, in adopting the product, what we, we're actually really looking at our training methodology and saying, all right, well, we need to actually do very scenario based training, especially for, you know, organizations and people like yourself that don't have a lot of time. You're out there, you're making money as a consultant. You don't have a lot of time to sit in these three to five day training sessions. So we're looking very, very carefully about how we actually train people like yourselves and organizations and partners up with this, provide Providing you know um, these things like hands-on labs available before the training, so when you actually come to training, it's very theory-orientated. You've got all the practical knowledge already there, and we're looking at scenario training, quality-driven development, Sarbanes-Oxley you know type scenario training. How do I integrate? We're also looking at very. Um, um, physical type training. So how do I physically install Visual Studio Team System in my environment? What infrastructure do I need You know, from small teams, medium teams, and large teams? So we're going to release all of our training plans, um, hopefully around the August um, timeframe, and you'll see all the new training plans that are coming from there's, there's a huge number of partners and also the Microsoft Learning Training as well. So hopefully we'll meet all your needs. But if they don't, I'm the guy that, that runs our, our training globally, so you come and beat me up. We know where he lives. Absolutely. We'll find him. What about the argument for my, my managers then on, you know, the, the, taking the startup cost and moving on to this? Because, you know, we've got our home-rolled uh, uh, issue tracker and that sort of thing, and it's been working. Uh, so, you know, this is, this is 
there's going to be some cost and some lag involved in getting onto this new system. Exactly. So we focus on that a number of ways. One, we're going to provide a lot of good collateral all the way from the hands-on, you know, the hands-on people, your testers, your developers, all the way up to the CIOs and CEOs of your organisation because the purchasing decision of software development lifecycle tools is not going to be made at that developer level. It's going to be made quite up high. So we are working definitely with our, our business decision makers and technical decision makers on how we um, go out and, and talk to them. We're working with our analysts and the best way to actually approach these people and actually sell this tool and provide you all the information on how to sell this tool. We're also investing globally in about 50 or so Visual Studio Team System pre-sales consultants um, so that, uh, that the account managers, the Microsoft account managers working with you can actually roll into your accounts and talk to the, all those different level people in your organisation from the technical people all the way to the business people to actually answer those questions and make sure that all the little, um, the, all the little boxes are clicked off and, uh, and that it's a successful um, purchase and implementation for you. And a very simple argument just, you know, or in the elevator is that if you're looking for any kind of more sophisticated suite of tools to do what Team System does, they are the price leader. You know, yeah, Mark, so that's right. a very good point. You know, you can stay doing what you're doing no matter what, but if you are interested in moving forward and doing some more things, uh, you, you're not going to find a better deal. And, and that leads us right into a really good thing, launch. So, we will have a number of customers at launch, all the way from very, very large organizations, um, a very exciting organization that has a 14 and a half day development cycle. Um, 14 and a half. 14 and a, exactly 14 and a half days. I can't That tell half you ends who at 3 a.m., right? But it's, yeah. it's absolutely incredible. And when we release this custom, you'll see why they have a 14 and a half day development cycle and then they restart again. 14 and a half days is fantastic. And how they're using Visual Studio Team System. Um, and then all the way down to, you know, to, to our medium businesses and our smaller organizations. And as, as uh, you heard, our, our launch is going to be in that, that week of November 7th. Um, and we'll have all those customers and all that collateral and all that information available for you, and we'll be launching globally across the world. Thank, Thank you. you. Another question. Hi, guys. You, uh, you mentioned the shelving feature a little bit earlier, and I'm just wondering, are files on the shelf versioned as well, or is it just a single version per file on a shelf? Not sure. <laughs> so, the, so the question is, um, in a shelf, are the, are the files themselves versioned, or is there a single version for the shelf? Is that right? So the version numbers for the files depend on their individual histories. Um, and, you know, so when you, when you check them in all together, either as a full check-in or as a shelf, there's an ID associated for that group of files. So there, you know, when you do the real check-in, there's a change set ID. Let's say it's one, and it, you know, it could encompass five or six or ten different files, and each of those files will have their own individual numbers based on how many times they were checked in. And the same is true for a shelf. So you'll have a shelf ID that corresponds to a set of files that have their own version numbers based on their own histories. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Well, we're winding down to the end of the show here. Um, I almost hesitate to ask this question, but I feel I have to since it's a part of .NET Rocks lore now. Uh, I ask all my guests at the end of the show, what's the coolest thing you've downloaded lately? And I would ask you to, to try to find something that's not a Microsoft yeah. product. Microsoft Search does not qualify. I mean, when you go home, you know, you, maybe you, your wife has downloaded something cool. I don't know. <laughs> uh, coolest thing I probably downloaded is, uh, the last thing I downloaded, I guess, was pretty cool, was Snagit. It's capturing a lot of screen, screenshots and things. That's been a great, great little nice product. Nice piece of software, yeah. Nice yeah. little piece of software. Rats, I think that was mine. <laughs> 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 no, Snagit is amazing. It's, it, it's a great product. Um, 
Eric, Eric's actually the one that, that told me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping I get to go before him. <laughs> Mental note, don't let AJ go first. Um, what else have I downloaded that's been really good? Um, Non-Microsoft. Adware. You know, okay. I, I, yeah. I, I love Adware. You know, it, uh, We're still fighting Spyware. Right? Yeah, it's still, still a problem. So I mean, it, it does a great job. Here's of a great question. How many people are using more than one Spyware removal tool? Look wow. at that. Uh, yeah, more than half the room. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So my, mine's actually a bit strange. So the, the last thing I downloaded was a thing called Amigo. Amigo? Which is like a little character you build up for Instant Messenger. And he, and he does things when you do, when, when you say things. So if you say, I'm feeling sick, he throws up. <laughs> and, so, and so that's it. And he, and he looks like me. So, if, you know, I'll give you my IM. You can come and play with my Mego. <laughs> Excellent. Well, if there are no more questions, I would just like to personally thank my guests and Richard's guests, Michael Leaworthy, Eric Lee, and Ajay Sudan. Give them a big round of applause. We will see you next week on .NET Rocks. Thank you, guys.